everyone. Welcome back to the More With Nikki Dutton podcast. Today, I have Noah and Andrea Ramos on the episode, and it was an incredible conversation. They are a couple that pastor a church in Sofia, Bulgaria called Zoe Sofia. And I honestly have not met them face-to-face and haven't even really had a conversation with them one-on-one before this moment. But I knew that I wanted to have them on the podcast because we have been in some of the same Zoom rooms, in some of the same global team meetings. And I have just been taken back by what the Lord is doing in their community and just have loved even the tiny, tiny snippets and glimpses I've gotten of their life and their ministry, so much so that I told them this after we were done recording. When we've had these global team meetings over the last couple years, I would hear what they were doing in Bulgaria. I would hear the way that their church was responding to the war in Ukraine and helping individuals in Poland. And I would close my computer after the team meetings, would walk into Scott's office and would tell him, I don't know how or what or when or where or why, but I think that our lives and I hope that our lives will at some point intersect with Noah and Andrea's and that maybe we could be a part of what God is doing in Bulgaria or what God is doing in the slice of the world. There's just something magnetic and attractional about the way that they're following Jesus and even the way that they're leading their families. And I think something that I really love and respect about them is that as they talk about what God is doing, as they talk about pastoring and leadership and uh, crisis response and all of these things, um, justice, as you hear them talk about these things, they are 1000% serious and they are 100% bought in, but they carry it with a lightness and a joy and an enjoyment that sometimes can get lost in ministry or in people that are following the Lord. And they still have fun and they love their life and they laugh and they joke and you can just you can see the belief that they have in what the Lord is doing and I just want to be around people like that and I'm really 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 grateful and honored honestly that they would say yes to me not really knowing me and that they would just take the time to share a bit of their heart and their life and their story on this episode so This is one of my favorites for the year. I can already tell you that, but I would also tell you that you are going to absolutely love it. And if you hang around at the end, I'll give a couple ideas for what you can do to get involved if you have the same pull to be a part of the work that the Lord is doing in their life that I do. Kicking off the new year, a focus for a lot of us is our health, whether that's getting active for 30 minutes a day, eating more veggies in your diet, checking in with a counselor, or drinking more water. A big goal for me in 2023 is taking that next step towards a healthier lifestyle. And I've already started that journey. One of my favorite vitamins is made by a company called Ritual. Now, I've been taking Ritual's prenatal vitamin for almost a year now, and I love it. I actually took it in to one of my recent doctor's appointments and had my doctor check it out, see what he thought about it. And he said it checked all the boxes that he was looking for. And Ritual also offers a lot of different multivitamins for men, for women. There's probiotics, there's proteins. And a good part of it is that all of their products are made simple, clean, and backed by science to meet their made traceable standards. You can learn more about that online. But like I said, the prenatal is what I've been taking the most and I absolutely love it. And it's kind of weird to say, 
but the vitamin itself is actually beautiful and it's infused with citrus so that it's easier to get down for any of us who are sissies when it comes to taking pills and vitamins. So I can't recommend Ritual anymore and they have actually become friends of mine. And so you can get 20% off of your first month by using promo code Nikki Dutton. There's no spaces, N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N when you check out. It's a great first step towards whatever your health goal in 2023 is. So visit ritual, and use promo code Nikki Dutton when you check out for 20% off of your first order. Okay, Noah and Andrea, you know that I have just told you that we've been in some of the same Zoom rooms, but we actually haven't formally met. So this question is for myself too. I would love to know just who you are, uh, what you do, and what life looks like currently. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having us on. We're super excited to be chatting with you today. And uh, Andrea and I, Pastor Zoe Sophia in Sophia, Bulgaria. We've been here for about 10 and a half years. We have four boys, two dogs, and it's a miracle that my wife still puts up with me. <laughs> and he with me. I still like him. It's a, it, that is a miracle. So, and we've been married, what, 17 and a half years now. Okay. Well, and what's the backstory? How did you guys meet? I mean, where did all of this start for you guys? Well, we met um, second year Bible school at the, at what what was the, the city church in Seattle, Washington. And um, Noah, what was your um, experience meeting me for the first yeah, time? Yeah, I knew you were going to pass that off to me. <laughs> yeah, so um, we were both interning and we were both in our second year. Andrea didn't do her first year in Seattle, but she did her second year there. And she was the new, new girl in the room with all of these, you know, zealous Bible school students that were interning at a church. And, um, and, uh, it was orientation day. First time I ever saw her. And, and they asked us second years if we wanted to help, uh, volunteer packing lunch boxes for something that was going on at the church. I did not want to be a part of that at all. I'm like, I got the day off for orientation. I'm going to go enjoy it. But as I walked past the gym where she was pack- packing, um, these lunch boxes, I took one glance and quickly did a U-turn, spent the rest of my afternoon packing lunch boxes with, with who would the person that would one day become the love of my life. But uh, I had a crush on her all, all, you know, since the beginning and she was not having it. She was seeking the Lord and, um, and yeah, I, I wasn't, she, she kind of friend zoned me a little bit. So uh, that's how it went all year. And, and then after we got out of this internship program, I pursued her finally capturing her heart <laughs> convinced her to fall in love with me and um and yeah and so then we were we got we got married not long after that and when did you guys say that was i can't remember you said that's been how many years ago uh so we started dating 22 years ago wow that's impressive. and we've been married uh for 17 so yes he he had to seriously um, pursue me, but then once he pursued me, and I was like, okay, I'm into this. Let's let's do this. Then we dated for two very long years, long distance, which was yeah. not any fun. So yeah. I was originally from Seattle, okay, the Seattle area. I was born in Seattle, um, and Andrea was from Oregon, northeastern Oregon. Her town had 800 people in it, so she was. I had to pursue her back to the back to the hills where her family lived. <laughs> That's amazing. She, she's worth it. 
That's amazing. And I mean, what would you say, what has life looked like in the, over these last 22 years? Like what, if you had to use a word to describe it, what would that word be? Well, I think one of my greatest fears was to be um, bored and it has not been boring. (laughs) Yeah, no, I heard you say crazy. So you guys are on the same page here. It has not been boring. It has been crazy. Not what you expected, I'm sure. She was worried. She was worried. She she would tell me that she was worried that, you know, the person that she's going to get bored of the person she married. And I make sure to do the exact opposite of what (laughs) she thinks is going to happen. And it's kept our, our, our life pretty exciting. Yeah. You, you keep, you keep the whole family on their toes, you know, exactly. you just keep things exactly. interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think one really cool, uh, backstory for, for Andrea is, um, an experience she had when she was 13. Andrea, maybe you could share a little bit about that and what God put in your heart. Specifically oh, okay. I'm like, what? You're like, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in the mountains in Northeastern Oregon. Um, and, and not many people leave if, if they do I mean, going overseas is like out of the question. And um, when I was 13, 14, God put nations in my heart and I wanted to go to the nations. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just wanted to um, experience different cultures. I just felt like God gave me such heart for all, all these beautiful places all over the world and all these beautiful people that spoke different languages. And, and I, I wanted, I wanted that to be my life where sharing the gospel there, sharing his love, whatever. But I had to trust him with what that journey looked like. The first time I was on an airplane, um, I was 18 and, um, I've been on many since, but it's crazy that, I mean, just the thought of like, how, how's that going to work out? You know, when you're 13, 14 years old, but trusting God with that dream. And I thought maybe it would look like YWAM or like Mercy Ships International, or, um, I, I knocked on many doors and none of them opened. And then, um, and then I, I just followed like the next step, just the next step, the next step. And, here I am. <laughs> Here you are. In Europe, 10 yeah. years in Europe. Yes. Well, and you said that you were in a small town. How did the people around you respond when you said, okay, I have this heart for the nations. I see myself, you know, living, working, loving, ministering abroad. How did the people in your community respond to that? Was that like, okay, sure. You know, that'll never happen. Or was it like, okay, yeah, let's get you there. What was kind of the response? Well, I don't, I don't really think I was so vocal about it. I think I just really hit it in my heart. Mm-hmm. And and then as I started looking into things, I didn't I didn't really tell anybody what I was doing. Yeah. You know, because because I think I knew it was like, yeah, that I don't know how that's gonna work or how mm-hmm. I don't know. I just didn't I didn't really vocalize it. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, we I just did it. Mm-hmm. And then and my parents have been so releasing. Like they, they still live in that small town and they're, they're incredible and they have different small businesses they run and, um, they, they're so releasing of us. They're like, Hey, go follow Jesus. So. Yeah. You always have home there, but go out and do what the Lord has called you to do. And you both said, you mentioned Bible school, of course, that you guys are pastoring a church. I would love to know what was kind of a game changer moment for each of you in your faith so far in your life. It can be when you were younger, or it could be something that's even happened recently that was just kind of a pivotal point for you. We were both raised in church. Um, Our parents, I mean, his parents were on staff. Mine weren't on staff, but you know, 
taught Bible, uh, taught um, Sunday school and, you know, all the things. And I, I remember as a kid, like just falling asleep on the floor, you know, at, when you're just like, okay, I'm done. I'll just fall yeah. asleep here or yeah. coloring on the floor for hours. Yes. Cause we're just like there till the church closes yes. the doors. Right. Um, but looking back, I love that because it, I've always loved the house of God. I've always loved the presence of God. I've always wanted to follow Jesus. And there's been, you know, those God encounters along the way um, that unlocked me in certain ways, but, but all along the way, I've always wanted to build the church, always wanted to follow Jesus. That's amazing. I think, uh, I think everybody's story uh, of um, experiencing Jesus kind of starts from the same place. And that's, usually a place of brokenness. It's usually a place of, of need and of lack. Same. My, my story is pretty much the same with Andy. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, the only difference was when, when I was nine years old, my parents moved to Sofia, Bulgaria to be missionaries. And that's kind of how we have connection or, or roots here originally. Um, and this was right after the fall of communism. They spent seven, seven years in Bulgaria living here and I resented them for it. I hated my parents. I would, it was borderline hate for, for dragging me when I was nine years old to a place I didn't know, language I didn't understand. And and back then, you know, communism very much still had a grip on the on the nation. And so my my encounter with Christ didn't come until that my real encounter. I always knew God was real. I knew he existed. But when the first time I ever heard his voice and knew that he loved me, I was 15 years old. And I was sitting in a, in a in a conference, and it wasn't even during a session. What wasn't that wasn't during a worship experience or anything. It was just simply me up in the stands myself, and I closed my eyes. Okay, God, if you're real, you're gonna have to show me because I'm I'm not doing this. I'm I was a I was a terror. I was a terror growing <laughs> up in church. But that moment, I felt I felt His love, and I and it, it He became my God, my own my personal Savior. And I'm like, okay, I can, I can, I can live for, for this because I know he's real and I know his love. And that, that moment changed me forever. And I say, um, as long as you're, you're staying in an intimate relationship with him, your, your life is designed to have those kind of moments and encounters yeah. along every, every step right. of the way. Cause I, I remember too, like, even though I knew the love of Christ, I was very legalistic and I, I we had been married and, and I was very much, I, I never, never partied hard, never, never really got drunk or did drugs or had sex before I was married. So that was my testimony. And I, and I love it. And I want that same testimony for my kids. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I had more high ground than every single person that I knew. And, and so another step in that journey was like understanding what grace was, that even in all of my righteousness and my goodness and my, and my, my holiness, uh, all of that was like dirty, filthy rags compared to the righteousness of Christ. So then God took me on the journey of, of discovering grace and like, no, you, no, there's not a person on the planet mm-hmm. that is without brokenness and we all need him. So I would say that for me. Yeah, I, I think that's a good reminder because we can think that uh, sometimes faith can become so transactional. So we can think that I've made this, you know, this big deposit or this big, big withdrawal either way. And yeah. we can think that's it, you know, and now I'm in or I'm out. Where really what I've learned in my faith, especially over the last five years, is that it is this constant renewing that's happening of your mind, yeah. of your heart, of your life. And I even think about you talking about that you were worried that life would be boring. You just didn't want a boring life. 
And I have found with following Jesus that it has been the most exciting life I could have ever imagined. I could have never pictured myself in the positions or the places or talking to the people that I have. And all of that has really come from just one yes to another yes to another yes. And then sometimes I'll say no, or I'll resist. And then the Lord will kind of bring it back around. And so I I have learned as well, growing kind of up in church and similar, having some of that, uh, I really didn't have this rough background that um, this dramatic testimony from death to life as the Mm -hmm. world would see it. But there still are so many parts of my life that are dead, that are constantly being resurrected. And it has made all the difference. It really, really has made all the difference. Yeah. And I know we'll get to it in a little bit of where your yeses have led you guys. But I know one yes that you guys made that is huge is, well, I guess you've made this yes a few different times because now you have four boys and that is a lot of yes in your life. And that is a lot of, I'm sure, excitement and story in your life because Having four boys, two dogs in one house, right? Like that's a lot. You would say? Oh yeah. In, in an apartment, not just not just a house, <laughs> not a in house. an apartment. In an apartment. Yeah, a yard would be nice. Like just go outside. Yeah, just know? like run. Yeah, and I was thinking even how you guys said you grew up in church, you know, laying on the floor, coloring on the floor, and now your boys are kind of having this similar experience. I mean, what are some intentional practices that you guys have put into your life as it comes to family and to parenting and um yeah, just that whole aspect of your life? Wait a sec. How long is this podcast? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to do part one, two, three. Right now, actually, what I'm doing is I'm getting all the the truth I need to know for future parenting. So I'm taking notes for myself. Okay. So okay. I'm assuming you guys are experts at this point. So I'm just hoping you can tell me what the secret code is to raising good kids. That's what I'm really looking for here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hop in. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop in real quick. And then, Andrew, I'm going to let you take it away because you're, you're way more like the Holy Spirit than I am. But... But but I would say like every single child is different, yeah. every single one. And so we could give, you know, we, we, we'll we give wisdom or some things that we've yeah. done to, to help us lead kids. But like every single child is different. So they need to be loved differently. They yeah. need to be talked to differently, parented differently. And and without the Holy Spirit, good luck. Like, yeah. good luck. But well, yeah. and what are the ages you guys have right now between the four? 15, 14, 12, and 9. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So the y'all are in the thick of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But it, I, I mean, it really goes back to like even what Noah said earlier about us all needing grace. And, and we all have our brokenness and and you parent from your brokenness. But if you if we are able to lean into the Holy Spirit, then he'll teach us. He'll teach us along the way, like, okay, you want to give them fear in this moment, but you know, you have a choice. You could give them fear of whatever that is. It is what you feel from your past, but you can give them something else too. And that's faith. And then you, and, and he is the best, like he's our comforter. He's our, he's, he leads us in the way to go. And I, and a verse that, that I really stood on, especially when the kids were really little, um, was that he leads those with young gently. And I just kept reminding myself, reminding the Holy Spirit and reminding myself, thank you that you lead me gently. You're leading me gently so I can lead them gently. And and doing church with them, it gets funner and funner. Yeah. Like for reals. I mean, it was fun before, but now that they're now that they're encountering God for themselves, it's really, really fun. Mm-hmm. 
And I think too, one thing like with parenting now, teenagers is, is when they're little, you try to instill a, a passion for church, a passion for people, a passion for God, but you can't, you can't force people into a relationship with Jesus. Right. And yeah. so one thing that we've done that Andrea has been really, really good at, even since the kids were little was, no, we're going to go to church. You know, like none of us want to, we're tired. We were up with the baby all night. Yeah. You know, it was difficult, but we're going to work. And this is before we were pastoring or before we had responsibilities. And we're going to go to church because being in the presence of God and being surrounded with people who love God, it it creates, it gives kids a foundation for, a, you know, a baseline for like, mm-hmm. this is what, this is what life is about, you know, and, and it, giving them opportunities and moments to encounter the real thing. And constantly having conversations with them about, you know, what they're dealing with or what they're struggling with. And it's so interesting. Four kids, two of them really like to talk, like really <laughs> like to talk. And then and then two two of them are all, all about action. We're just going to do. We're going to throw the balls. We're going to, you know, an adventure. We're jumping off the cliffs. We're, you know, doing all the things. And so I'll sit down one of my boys and try to talk to him. And he's not a talker, you know. So you have to, like... Not every child is copy paste. It's not, they're not all the same. So if God, we believe as parents, God has given us the keys to unlock their heart and unlock their destiny. We need to know that not, it's not one key fits all that, that we're going to have to let God lead us and father us well so that we can, we can lead and mother and father our, our kids well. Yeah. And, and thinking about, about even when they were little going to church, like you said, even before we were, uh, I mean, we were just volunteering. Um, we try to set them up for a win, you know, yeah. talk about our expectations before we get there. I think that's one of the, of the, the thing, the things where parents really struggle is like, oh, my kid doesn't like church. My kid drives me so crazy that I don't want to be there or whatever. And we just made a decision like Noah, and I, Noah said that we're going to go to church and you're going to come with us. And here's our expectation. You know, this is what this is going to look like. And even if it's not your favorite now, you know, you're going to love it later. Like, you know, it's just, (laughs) but just setting them up for a win. And also the other thing um, that I think is super important for parents is to be authentic, is not to be, we're we're not different people when we're on stage or when we're home, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, it's, it, it's, um, I've definitely ran into that, like, oh, I need to be something on stage, especially in front of people. Will, will I be enough? Will I, you know, what will they think of me? Stuff like this. And I'm like, I can't be anybody but me. So I'm going to be me on the stage. I'm going to be me at home. And, and what that looks like is bring safety and, um, just health to, to family. Yeah. I think yeah, when you really struggle is when they see two different people. Mm-hmm. When you're faking it, um, your kids know it. So mm-hmm. like if you yeah. if you're like yelling and screaming at each other on on the way to church and you get there and you put on a happy face, a church mm-hmm. face, they're like, this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't real life. And and then they start to put two and two together. Maybe this God thing isn't real. Maybe yeah. it's just the way that we act. But then when when you're at home and you're you're praying together or you're reading the Bible or we love to worship together. Um, even as a family, then then they're like, oh, this is this is more than just a Sunday event. This is this is our life, and this is who we are. So, 
Well, yeah, I think that communicates, I would assume to them that the same is true with them and the Lord, that they can come as they are to the Lord, that they don't have to perform or do all of this mental gymnastics to get the Lord's attention or to get his favor, but that they can come exactly as they are. They can show up to church on a Sunday, whether it's been a good week, a bad week, a good morning, a bad morning, and they are still welcome to have an encounter with Christ in that day. And I think that is something that it sounds like is... Is subtle. It's not something that you're preaching at them constantly, but if they see you do that, then they have a little bit of a pathway that's been carved for them to say, okay, I can do that same thing too. Because I think that is one of the things as you get older that can be a struggle is that, well, I've got to clean myself up or I've got to do this or I can do that. And even if it's not in front of kids, it can be in front of our coworkers or in front of different groups of friends where we can start to see our our own personalities like starting to splinter. And that can get really exhausting. And so having parents or having friends or having siblings that are showing you that you're welcome as you are, and there is opportunity for that door to open and to have that encounter with Jesus. I think that's a really powerful thing. So now I know how to raise my kids. So now I'm, I'm, I'm all You're set. good to go. <laughs> so I'll call you guys whenever I'm like, okay, I need a little more advice on how this goes. We're <laughs> here. I know. Hearing ads cut into the middle of a podcast you're listening to can be kind of annoying, but I don't want this part of the podcast to only be me pushing products, even if I genuinely love and use them. I also want to highlight organizations and nonprofits and causes and people that I support like Love Does. If you aren't familiar, Love Does is a nonprofit that fights for human rights, cares for the vulnerable, and provides education in conflict zones. This year in 2023, Love Does is opening a primary school in Burkina. Kina Faso in West Africa, an after-school program in Israel, as well as welcoming more Ukrainian refugees at their recently established school in Poland. And for the last 20 years, Love Does has focused primarily on building schools and safe houses around the world, but they've recently expanded their operations here in the U.S. to include a mobile food pantry for families who are facing food insecurity, refugee resettlement, and a home for teen moms. You might remember back in August, I had one of my close friends, Annie Laurie, on the podcast, and we recorded an episode called Love Does with Annie Laurie Jacobs. She is on this team, and it would be worth scrolling back and listening to her episode if you want to hear more stories and wins from the work that they've done together so far. And if you're interested and want to be in involved, there are a ton of ways that you can support Love Does, especially if you're looking this year in 2023 to make a difference and to be involved with something different. Scott and I have given financially to Love Does over the last year or so, and we felt really encouraged by the way that our gift has been invested in communities locally and worldwide. You can follow Love Does on social media at Love Does. Visit their website, lovedoes.org for updates. And you can feel like you can do absolutely anything and launch an outer space orbit, listening to the founder, Bob Goff, on his podcast, Dream Big. That has been a huge source of inspiration for me in my life and in this podcast. So I highly recommend that as well. And I just would say, I love this place. I love these people. And I could not recommend Love Does to you any more highly. I do know this is kind of the heartbeat of what I wanted to talk about today. You guys have mentioned it already a few times, but you've been in Bulgaria for 10 years, you said. Is that right? And Noah, this started, the whole process with this kind of started when you were a kid and you were in Sofia with your own parents. So can you just tell the story of what brought you guys back to Bulgaria and just, yeah, lay it out for us what this whole journey has been like so far? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So when Andrea and I first met, I told her I spoke Bulgarian 
And she said, that's a made up language. And I said, well, <laughs> no, she I said, said say, say something. Yeah. And so I said, so you're on the phone and he, yeah, cause long distance. He yeah. Said, say, and I said, say something. And he said something. And I said, that sounds like a made up language. <laughs> and, and the, and so the, even after we were married, um, she was like, well, teach me, teach me Bulgarian, teach me how to say something Bulgarian. And, and I'm like, no, because I, I never thought that we would be coming back. There was not a thought yeah. in my mind that we would be returning to Bulgaria. Yeah. And so the story of us moving here didn't really start with me. It, uh, it started with, it started with Andrea. My mom every year was, t- was continuing to take a, a mission trip for uh, two weeks to Bulgaria and Greece. And uh, Andrea came on one of the trips. We were we had two two babies. She was pregnant with our third, and um, and so but you take it away, babe, because it started with you. Yeah, I mean it was really special to be here in Bulgaria, um, and I stayed with one of his one of his um, oldest friends here, and that was really special just to see where he spent a lot of his growing up years. Um, and then we went on to Greece from Bulgaria, which is like it's like a three hour drive, three and a half hour drive to Thessaloniki. And, but there I, I, uh, we connected with the A21 campaign there and I, I had the incredible opportunity to sit in a room of, um, I think there were 12, 13, 12 or 13 different girls that were survivors and they through four different translations told just a little bit of their stories. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was just undone. I was just like, I need to be a part of seeing this atrocity end and I don't know what that looks like, but I guess that looks like Seattle. I'll go back to Seattle. Seattle at the time was top third in the nation for human trafficking. I don't know what the stats are these days, but, and so I was like, okay, we're going to end this. And so I got home and I was like, babe, we're going to, we, we're going to, we're going to fight human trafficking. This is not okay. And he's like, okay. And then, um, and then it wasn't long after that. I don't know. What was it? I don't remember how much longer, maybe a year later, yeah. nine months later. I don't know. We did what we could with different organizations that were in Seattle. And we ended up, um, Noah was like our, the child that I was carrying when I was here, his name's Asa. His middle name is Justice. (laughs) Because Noah's like, his middle name's Justice. I know it. And um, so that was a big part of even what God was moving on our hearts at that time. And then, um, and then I think probably nine months later, Nick and Kristen Kane reached out to know his parents and and we're like hey uh, would you guys want to go back to Bulgaria because we're opening the the A21 office there and opening a shelter there and we'd love it if you'd want to help on the church side because we're going to start Zoe Church there uh, because there was already one in in Thessaloniki but um but to have a place where where the survivors could be well they needed a church and Tony and Joanne, Noah's parents were like, ah, oh, it's not our season, but what about our kids? And we'd gone through the craziest transition ever um, because that um, we'd had our third child, uh, the, the economic crisis happened, and we lost our condo, um, and we moved in with Noah's parents. Noah had lost his job, and he was, he'd been almost, I mean, he'd probably been out of work for I don't know. I was probably six to seven months at the time. And I was doing yeah. odd jobs and some roofing jobs, yeah. but uh, I was in construction and that was one of the first, first yeah. areas to, 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 to go. So, so we were living, living at home with my folks, which was super uh, humbling. Stretching. Yeah. <laughs> Stretching is a good with way to With three put it. boys at that time. Or no, two, yes. three. 
Yeah. Three boys, yes. <laughs> a brand new baby. Yeah. Um, and we were getting help from the church. So we were, we were part of our lively or how we were surviving was we were getting boxes of food every Sunday from church. Yeah. And we were, we were care pastors, which means that we were leading a group of people and, and it was very humbling yeah. to be doing that. And, and so then, so Nick and Chris called my folks and they're like, you can't do it. And they're like, well, what are your kids doing? And so then we decided to, to take a trip to, uh, I decided to take a trip with a friend of mine to Bulgaria just to check it out. Cause by then the A21 office had started, um, Zoe church was, uh, was just started. There was probably, I don't know, 20, 20 people, 20, 30 people. And, and I came to visit mm-hmm. and, I was so confused. I thought for sure this was it. I was I was done doing construction. I was miserable. I hated construction. I wanted to be in ministry, felt the call to ministry. But you know, everybody goes through a desert season. They go through a season where, okay, you know, God's giving you hopes and dreams, but your character needs to be, it needs to be defined, you know? Defined, yeah. And, and so that was that season for me. So came to Bulgaria, visited. I was confused. And while I was here, um, Andrea ha- had an experience. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. So Noah was on the trip with, um, with Nick here in Bulgaria and I was just thought every day, just like, okay, God speak to him. It'd be just really great to know if this is what you have for us. Cause we've just been waiting, yeah. waiting for, we knew we just served in our local church, but we were just waiting because we knew there was more, there was something else, but like Noah said, God was working on our character And, um, and so I was like, God, if you could speak to me, that'd be super great. I'll follow him. But you know, I got three babies, like (laughs) tell me. Yes. And, and it was the last day, the day before he flew home and, and I was just outside praying and I I literally felt like God uprooted my heart from Seattle and planted it in Bulgaria. And I felt like this tether drawing me. And I was like, I need to be there tomorrow. (laughs) Like I need to be there now. And it was so, it was so miraculous. Like it was so bizarre because it was night and day. It was like, I went from, okay, I don't know, but I'll follow Noah, you know, whatever he says when he comes back and it's like, babe, this is Russ, I'll go, whatever. Went from that to we're going, when are we going? And so Noah flew home the next day and I, and I was, I was just like, when are we going? (laughs) Like, what, like, are we going? And he was like, babe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. And I was like, okay. And again, I was like, okay, I can't, like, I don't want to convince him myself. Right. And so right. I'm like, okay, God, speak to him. And I remember he sat down at the piano and he started just worshiping. It just He was jet logged off his butt. He was trying to stay awake. <laughs> and he starts singing and then he switches into Bulgarian. And I hit my knees sobbing in the kitchen, like hearing this language. It was just like, none of this makes sense. And this is insane. Um, but so amazing at the same time, because it was like, you're caught up in the wonder of what God is doing and what he's, how he's moving us. And so, um, I think two days later, Nick came, flew into Seattle and was like, Hey, Noah, pick me up at the airport. And they spent all day together. Yeah. So I had, I had met, uh, Nick briefly. We had a dinner together with a bunch of guys, uh, in Greece when I was visiting, just so happened to be there at the same time. Um, and, and so I picked him up from the airport, spent all day with him. And that, that was the missing piece for me sitting down with, with Nick Kane and just hearing his heart for, for the nation, heart for the people, heart for the church. 
and and then just taking the time to literally hear our hear hear our story mm-hmm. and and want to know what was in my heart and I'm like okay that I could I could follow him and his vision and um and and his heart mm-hmm. and so that was really what what set it off for us so wow. he's like we'll go home chat with your wife you know and and let's let's have breakfast together I'd love to meet her cuz they hadn't met yet yeah so 2 days later we went said we're sitting down at breakfast and uh, um and so you know asking questions and what all that and he so hi so how are you feeling about bulgaria and, and we looked at each other and we're like we're in we're in uh and he was shocked he was <laughs> yeah i was going to say was he surprised or was he, he like yeah i was waiting for this <laughs> no he, he was, was surprised he was yeah. surprised and and, and uh, like we're we're going to you know start we're we're planning we're planning september we're moving you know it was like we were in all in well, I think, yeah, was I think September was our first. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So then going through the visa process and all that yes. was difficult. And, and raising took, money. Yes. Yeah. We yeah. had to like, we had to fly down to LA just to, just to submit the paperwork. They wanted to see us and our kids in person. And like you said, this was a time in y'all's life where it was like, you were just trying to make ends meet, just get totally. by. It wasn't like there was excess. Like this was all going to have to come from the yeah. Lord's hand. Cause you were like, I don't have this like storehouse ready for this. Exactly. But at the same time, it was like right after we decided to go, Noah got a job. Right. You you got a job for like a a temporary job. It was like, yeah, it was like the the next week. And and things just start coming through, coming through. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I was working overtime. He was, uh, my boss was allowing me to work as as much as possible overtime and and saving. And then, and then we just sold everything and everything that had been in, all of our stuff had been in storage because. Uh, because of you know having our 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 house take re- repoed from the bank, all of we were packed away already, and so we literally opened the storage container, and people would come. You know, we didn't have there was an offer up back then, but there was uh, Craigslist or whatever, mm-hmm. and people would <laughs> somebody would come up to buy a couch, and they go, "Oh, can I can I buy that? And can I buy this? And can I buy that?" And they would end up. And leaving. can I pay you more sure. than you asked for it? That's yeah, wild. can I pay you more That's than you asked wild. for? It? And yeah. and so we sold everything and. Ended up moving December 2012. Uh, yeah. And yeah. And people were like, well, how did, how did you do that? And must have been di- a difficult decision. And w- the truth is when, when you hear God say you yeah. go, yeah. it's just a yes. And then he, mm-hmm. he sorts out the details. I think, yeah. I think most of the time when God says go, we try to figure out in our own mind. Right. Yeah. And, and you can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. our, our responsibility is to say yes or, or to say yeah. no. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> yeah. And and um and so moving to Bulgaria was as easy as just, just saying yes to him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we have not moved overseas, but we moved cross country for A21, a very similar invitation. It felt like um I had met Chris and I started to really put the dots, connect the dots about, oh, this is how people are actually making a difference to end human trafficking. And I remember I filled out the volunteer application sitting in the LAX airport and it was asking questions like, can you support yourself financially? And I was like, yes, of course. And it was like, can you provide housing? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure we'll find housing. Like it had no, no way how that would happen. And came home and told my husband, I was like, I I just applied for this thing. And at first his he was trying to work it out as well. Like, how are we going to do this? We have to have jobs. We can't just quit our jobs and move cross country. And then gave it a couple of days. And he was like, 
actually, I think we should do this. And same thing for us is as soon as we said that, yes, we moved out of our apartment into a home with friends for the summer, started just kind of raising funds for ourselves. And then the next thing we knew, three months later, we were moving and we had this moving truck, our dog and our cat, like cross country. And it felt like the Lord did the same thing. I mean, he just came through, came through, came through. And it's a similar response when people say, wow, that's amazing. Like how, how is that possible? Um, I, I don't know. I just think you just take one step and the next step. And if the Lord is in it, we felt like if the Lord was in this invitation, he would go out ahead of us. And that didn't mean that it would go perfect or seamless or super easy all the time, but that we wouldn't fall. And our, our big thing was like, well, what happens if we end up in like Southern California homeless? (laughs) You know, like what happens if we have to live in our car? And it was like, well, we'll live in our car. Like we'll figure it out. And we never had to live in our car, but uh, there were times where we wondered if that was going to happen. So we have not had as, as many miles in the move as you guys have, but a very similar experience that we're just grateful for. I think it's calibrated the way that we think about invitations that the Lord extends to us, which has been kind of a game changer for us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so cool. And I I would love to know too, what does Zoe Sophia look like now? Like, tell me about the church and the community and what does it look like now, 10 years later? She's beautiful. Yeah. You love it. Yeah. I mean, there's nowhere else we'd rather be, which is kind of crazy (laughs) and amazing. Um, I really do feel like uh, it's such a privilege to carry God's heart for Bulgaria, especially since it's not with it, it's not our the nation we were born in, or you know. But um, but I, so I feel like it's a gift. We we came and we supported both A Twenty One and Zoe Church for the first year and a half, and then the couple who are pastoring and you know in charge of the A Twenty One office and stuff, they moved back to Australia, and I think Chris asked us to take the church side, and so that what was that nine nine years ago, babe. Yes. I think it was nine years ago. Yeah, it was nine years. And yeah, I mean, for sure, it's been a wild ride. (laughs) Nine (laughs) years of of pastoring. When We never thought we'd pastor. We came to Mm -hmm. just support. We came to fight human trafficking and support the building of church, right? And so it was definitely, again, saying yes. Okay. Even though we don't feel like we got this. Yeah. Yeah. And And so trusted Um, us. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing to be trusted with. And then to, uh, as well as it's kind of similar to raising kids, like you've raised this community and watched it grow and change and adapt through the seasons. And I know that this last year and a half year or so has been a big season for that region of the world. So I'd love to know what, I mean, what have you seen God doing in Bulgaria, but also through some of the conflict that's been happening in Ukraine and all of the opportunity in Poland, what have you guys seen in your church community related to that? That's a great question. Um, I think, I think anytime there's a, a crisis or conflict or issues in the world I, I don't I don't ever believe that the government's the answer you know I believe the church is I, I, the Bible says that the government sits on his shoulders and and so um you know I've been been to Ukraine twice now through our incredible uh pastors who are Simon and Kinga who are pastoring in Poland been in, into Ukraine twice and um and to see the church being the church has been incredible. Uh, you know, you can get caught up in the politics of war and, and who should and we shouldn't. And, 
the truth is there's people there's people dying and suffering and and there's no minimizing that like people are being murdered innocent people and so anything we can do as the church to step in and help anything we can do to to support you know other churches on the ground and and so it's been incredible you see you see people really living out the gospel being the hands and feet of Jesus and providing for those who can and evacuating the, these crazy truck drivers or uh, bus drivers that are driving into the conflict zones and evacuating uh, families and grandmas and grandpas and um it, it's it, it's been incredible to be able to like shake their hands and pray for them and 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 bring supplies to them it's it's been awesome but um, but also on the other side, it's been a little devastating seeing churches that and people, men of God and ministries that should be doing something. And they're like, well, we're not humanitarian aid. We're the church. So like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Jesus fed the 5,000. Right. I'm pretty sure Jesus laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. And so you see, the war brings out the best of people and, and the worst of people. And I think it's easy to judge. Yeah. Uh, what's more difficult is to say, I want to be a part of the solution. And so I, I'm I'm so proud of our of our pastors Nick and Chris, and I'm I'm proud of our, our Zoe pastors in Poland mm-hmm. stepping up and 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 meeting the challenge there. So it's been good. Yeah, I think it's it's been one of the biggest honors so far. Um, being at A21 is to get to be in these Zoom rooms and to hear from some of our team that have office in Ukraine and just the way that they're responding, what they're doing. And then we've gotten to hear stories from Zoe Sophia as well about the way that y'all have been able to step in. And I think it's just been, it's been an honor, but it's also been a really good, um, it's just been a good reminder because being, we can feel so disconnected. We can feel so far away and it can feel like this isn't the top news story anymore and no one's talking about it. And it's just kind of, moved on to something else. And so I've just been very grateful to have the opportunity to get to hear what is happening. And it's been a a healthy challenge to myself and to my husband of, well, what does it look like for us to stay involved, even to stay on our knees in prayer for all of the people in Ukraine? I've had this alarm on my phone that my friends have gotten really annoyed with that'll go off at three o'clock. And it's like, just pray. And you just pray for whatever comes to mind that day, you know? so good. Um, but I would love to know as well, what does this look like or what would you hope that someone who is not in the region, what do you hope that a Christian's response right now would be to the people that you're getting to see and shake hands with and be close to? Well, uh, I'm a pastor, so I'll just, I'll quote one scripture in, in Revelation that says that, um, you know, it's talking about this, this remnant of God's people that overcame the devil. And, the, and it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and not loving their lives even to death. And I think one of the, you know, if the devil can't can't stop you from understanding who you are in Christ and the sacrifice that Jesus made for you, if he can't do that, he's going to try and shut your mouth and, and share your testimony. And if he can't do that, he's going to try and keep your entire life focused on you. And I think a lot of the church today, if it's not, and and people in general, if it's if it's not affecting me, then it's not it's not a big deal. And I think that um, I think in a lot of ways the church needs to wake up and 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 realize that you know even even us in Bulgaria, even the believers in Ukraine don't have it don't have it as bad as someone who lives in a Muslim country who's yeah. you know their lives are, are are threatened and in danger. And 
when when part of the body's hurting, the whole body's hurting. And so I would encourage anybody who feels like it doesn't relate to them or connect to them. It's like, okay, one day, and not to sound judgmental at all, but one day you're going to be standing next to these believers in heaven. And you kind of got to ask yourself the question, what did, what did I do when my brother was in need, when he was crying, when he was hurting, when his, his children were, were naked and hungry? Like how, how did I respond? And um, so I would say that I would say, pray the power of prayer it 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 really does it really Absolutely. really does move mountains like even when the the um the tragedy in turkey happened and you know yeah. the earthquake and thousands and thousands of people died people died we heard testimonies from missionaries that were connected to them rescuing people and when they pulling people that had been in had been in the rubble for four or five days and they give a testimony of like you know i, I was i was in pain but a man in white came and stood with me and held my hand like, wow, Jesus is still, Jesus is still showing up on the planet. And what yeah. he's looking for is for his church to show up as well. And that's, that's what I would say. Lovingly, I got a smile on my face. I know you're, if you're listening, you can't see me. Lovingly, church, it's time to show up. It's yeah. time to show up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Andrea, would you add anything to that? I think you said, I think you said that really good. As far as our response in, in Bulgaria, um, we, we have people in our community opening their homes since, yeah. since the war began. We have a couple who started an outreach for, um, like moms and kids. And we, we host that in our, in our, our Zoe West venue every week where the kids just play and eat and the parents connect and talk and, and just have, have some normalcy and, and carry this load of what it means to be away from your husband for yeah. so yeah. long. Um, and, and to, um, not know if you're going to see each other again, all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like Noah said, we're, we're, we're in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other side of this tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's what I hope from this conversation. I hope that it just brings people back together, even if whenever, whenever this releases, even if someone has kind of wandered in their week or their month or whatever, that it just kind of brings us all back around uh, the same table and to remember that we're a part of this family and we have family members in a whole variety of seasons and places and locations. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, like we belong to this same family and we get the opportunity to act like family. So I hope that this just prompts myself as I'm listening back through it and anyone who's listening just to ask the Lord what that could look like today. And maybe that is reaching out in some way internationally. Uh, Maybe it's for someone who's listening, Andrea, and they're like you, they're like, I feel this heart for the nations, but they haven't seen it realized yet to know that it's coming, that there there is a lot more ahead of us than behind us. And so I would love to know just kind of the last thing, what would be a final word? What would be maybe a way that you're finding more in life or um, just something that you want to leave anyone listening with about the way that they can connect with you guys or um, just a word that you would leave for them? Well, I think, I mean, Noah, you know, kind of mentioned it but about the church awakening, but I feel like God is is moving all across the world in the, in the times that we're living in now. And we're experiencing it experiencing a measure of revival here in Bulgaria and we're just hungry for so much more so much more of him and if I can encourage you any uh, encourage people listening anything it would be arise shine for your light has come 
And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He's here. He's alive. Like we don't just celebrate Easter on Easter, but we celebrate that he's risen. And it means that you can rise up from whatever your grave looks like too. And um, he wants to open your eyes and show you what he sees. God wants to open your eyes. God wants to impress upon your heart what's on his heart. Uh, and, And all he needs is someone who's available who's willing, available, and ready um, to be used by him. And it's literally like what we've been talking about, just the yes after the yes after the yes. And some of the yeses feel really big, and some of the yeses feel really small and insignificant. But every yes is like, um, it's like God testing, tests our hearts for the next yes. Mm -hmm. And for the next yes, like he can trust us with more. He can trust us with more the more we say yes and are obedient to his call. And we're not called to be comfortable. The church is, I mean, that's like the biggest, um, uh, the thing that we need to fight the most is being comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, and I think in America, it's probably a little bit easy, easier to be comfortable. Don't be comfortable, whatever it looks like, get around people who think differently than you get around people who are doing stuff and, and, you know, you already are. You're part of the 21 campaign. Um, but you know, just like, yeah, you can do it too, but don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't settle. Don't settle yeah. for, um, a little tiny bit of comfort when God has a grand adventure awaiting you. Yeah. Amen. Noah, would you add anything to that? Or is that perfect? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm a, Pastor, so I can always add. You're like I can always add one more point into this. Yeah, I would. I would just say this. Like, uh, I mean, we'd have to do twenty, twenty podcast, twenty more podcasts just to talk about all that God has done in our lives in the past year, how faithful He's Mm -hmm. been, the miracles that we've seen, um, people being miraculously healed and and set free, and uh, just supernatural things that that you read about in Acts. And it's all come from the place of surrender. And that's kind of what it comes down to. Is it your life or is it his life? You know, is it your, is it, is it your plans or is it his plans? Is it your will or is it his will? And, and I would say when, when you take the courageous step to lay it all down at his feet, there is nothing, there's nothing that is impossible for him to do. Those dreams that he's put in your heart, whether you're a little uh, this country girl raised in the hills in, in Oregon, or whether you're on a farm in Kentucky, or you're listening from a recording studio in Tennessee, or wh- wherever wherever you're at it, that none of those things matter. What matters is what has God put in your heart? What are those seeds? Because he wants to bring them out, and, and he wants to bring them to fruit, because that fruit is for... A people that are hungry and dying and hurting, and you carry the cure, you carry the life in you. So I would just encourage you, take the courageous step to to, to step out of what's easy and uh, and step into what he's got for you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you both so much for that. And um, I feel like I just had a personal pastoral session. So I don't know if anyone else will listen, but I loved it. So thank you so much. Um, And yeah, I'll make sure that everyone knows how to connect with you guys and just kind of follow along with what's happening. But appreciate you. And it's just an honor to know you both. So thank you. Thank Thank you again for having us, Nikki. 
I hope that you loved that as much as I did. I can already tell you right now, this is going to be one of my favorite episodes for the entire year. I just thank the world of Noah and Andrea, and I'm really, really honored that I got to hang out with them and that they spent so much time just sharing about their life and what the church looks like in Sofia, Bulgaria. If you are like me and you want to follow along even more, you can go to Instagram and follow their church Instagram at Zoe Sophia BG. If you're Bulgarian isn't great like mine right now, every post has the caption in Bulgarian, but then it also has it in English. So you can actually understand what is happening in the post that you're seeing. And then I've also included a link in this episode description where you can donate. So if you want to donate directly to the relief efforts continuing to happen in Ukraine and in Poland, you can do that through the link below. Below. Um, and one other thing that I would say you could do that could be helpful is if you sign up for Equip and Empower, that's Christine Kane's ministry, if you sign up for her newsletters, her team has done an amazing job, she and them, of telling the story of what it looks like right now in Bulgaria and Ukraine and Poland and how this church community, along with a couple others, are directly responding to the needs there. So I love those newsletters because because it just helps me get a, a better picture of what's happening on the ground currently. So I've also included a link below where you can sign up for her, her newsletters, but you can also just go to christinecane.com or equipandempower.org. Either way, you can sign up for the newsletter there, and that's a great way to stay connected to everything. But this was amazing, and until next time. <laughs>